everyone. Welcome back to another episode of... Explain It Slowly. Okay. So, um... I'm going to interrupt you quickly. Oh, okay. To tell everyone to, hey, you should follow us on Twitter at Lin and Dimichan. That's L-I-N-H-A-N-D-D-I-M-I-C-H-A-N. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and you should do this so that way we know that people are listening and people are enjoying the show. And let us know if you have any questions you want us to ask each other. Okay. <laughs> That's all. All right. Carry on. Okay. Uh, so I have a question. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, you know how in movies... Yeah. Or actually in real life, it happens too in real life. Mostly movies. Mostly movies. I have no idea what we're talking about. Right. <laughs> but like, you know the idea of like hacking somebody? Oh, yeah. Oh my god, like, for some reason, I don't understand how that works. And I, I guess because if everybody understands, then everybody would be hacking everybody. And I'm saying hacking in terms of like, hacking into your computer or your personal data or your personal device and then stealing information and then selling it off, that type of hacking. So cyber hacking. But like, I'm so confused because how does that work? Like, how does somebody who is, I don't know, out there in the world have just all of a sudden have access to my own personal device? If they don't know who I am, if they don't know where I live and those kind of information. Or maybe they do. Yeah, so there's several levels to this. So let's explain at each of those different levels because it's going to be different in each of those situations. Um, so the first kind of hacking is where you take an axe and you literally smash through something. That's like where the idea comes from. Um, and you, you hack your way to the, to the inside. Um, but and then, but then if you do that physically, then like you damage the product and then there's no hacking. Well, what if the product is what you don't care about and what you care about is the content? So take a safe, for instance. Oh, uh, okay. If you okay. need to get inside of a safe, you can either A... Hacker. Let's talk about it. yeah. What are the ways that you can get in someone's safe? Like so, a real, a, a real, a real metal safe. physical safe. Yeah. I mean, like, well, since those tends to be metal, like fireproof or whatnot, you're gonna have to like break the metal apart. So yes, you take a hack to it, uh, an, an axe. axe to it. Yeah, a crowbar or something. Yeah, right? like okay, pried it open. That's one method, right? Yeah. Okay, what's another method? How, what are what's a different way you can get into decoding the the pin the yeah, safety so you, pin so you get your you get your stethoscope right and you start like p playing with the dial, the and, dial and listening in and you yeah. use a lot of careful skill to pick the lock essentially yeah right? okay uh what's a different way i mean i think that's it right unless it's a unless, i can think of two more unless the safe has a digital pad so it's not really a, a physical dial no, that let, you let's stay with the the dial analogy there's two more ways you can yeah. do that there's two more ways you can get into a safe you kidnap the person that has the safe three more ways keys and then you force them to open it for you yep that's one way okay another um, way can you think of any more? No, I cannot. Okay, so another way is you can just watch over their shoulder when they don't think you're watching. Oh, so then you right? have to know that person then. Not necessarily. They're, they they are just there opening in their safe and you're walking by, right? Or you install a security camera or you find a way okay. of watching them enter their safe. Sure. Okay? Uh, and then the final way uh, is you call them. And you put on your sweetest, grandmotherliest voice and you say, Hello, darling. I needed to get something from your safe, but I forgot the code again. Can you tell it to me one more time? And they're like, Oh, grandma, you know it's just one, two, three, four. Password. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, and then therefore, you have the combination. Why the hell would you, like, have a safe that you hide important stuff, but then you let your grandma know and let your grandma put stuff in there, like... Anyway. Anyways, what if it's, oh, hello, dearie, where did you put the key in front of the front yard again? I need to get in to grab something. Yeah. Oh, it's under the pot. Like, we try to hide it, so check the third pot over in between the pots. Okay. Does that make sense? You start to see where these different techniques kind of can can come up. So, uh, the very first one we mentioned, is that where you grab the, where you just take the hatchet and, like, get at it, that's called a brute force method it requires very little skill uh and basically someone has an account on the internet that you want to access you just try every password and if they don't have any sufficient like protections then you can try every password very quickly like especially if their password is short this is why most accounts say don't use a short password because you can try the first four letter combinations very very quickly and then it takes a little bit longer for five and a little bit longer for six. But as you start, you start to get to seven, then it's 10 times or like 30 times more than the previous. And then as you get to eight, it's 30 times that. So it gets longer and longer exponentially. So that's why they say generally, hey, try to have a password with at least eight characters. Mm-hmm. Does that makes sense. That prevents the brute force approach where you just try every possibility. And I'm not just talking about people's accounts. Like if you have an encrypted file, then that encrypted file has a password associated with it. And it's the same thing. It's especially worse for an encrypted file because you have no ability to control how many things are trying at the same time versus a website can say like, hey, you can try accessing this account like 10 times and then we're just going to lock you out because you're clearly not the real individual. Mm-hmm. So someone's trying to hack your account like with a with an axe, basically. Um, so they're trying every possibility. So after 10 tries, we're just going to stop that. So that prevents hacking in that way. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, But if you have an encrypted file and they get access to it, they can put that encrypted file on 10,000 computers and have all those 10,000 computers try different combinations of passwords. Mm -hmm. And then therefore, if your password is short, like even eight characters, they can guess in a matter of months. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So if you want to push that months to years or tens of years or hundreds of years have a very long password for any encrypted file. Like, if especially if you have an encrypted file that has all your other passwords in it, that one's a very important one that you don't want ever being hacked, basically. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it is a file that someone can extract, potentially via other means, and then try their best to gain access to. So for those kinds of things, anything that contains other passwords, you want a long, secure password that no one can really guess. Oftentimes, a collection of words, not a phrase per se, but words separated by spaces is a great way to have a password with a lot of combinations because you may be using words. You may be substituting those some letters for numbers. Who knows what you're doing, right? But by the fact of you having four words separated by spaces, there's already 100,000 words in the English language. And you're basically saying 100,000 times 100,000 times 100,000 times 100,000, which is a huge pool of like combinations. And those are just assuming the words. If you substitute the zero, the O's for zeros, then forget it. Who knows which ones you substitute? You have to try every combination. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that immediately is a great way to have like a very foolproof password, assuming you don't write it down anywhere. 
that no one can really guess. Um, so uh, that's the hacking way, right? With an axe, you're basically trying every approach possible. Next step down, we said uh, stethoscope, right? So you put the stethoscope to the safe and you try to listen for the tick, 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 tick to get in, okay? This is what I like to call the highly skilled approach. You have someone's system that has a, uh, a flaw in how they built it, okay? And your job as the hacker is to essentially find the flaw because there's always going to be some sort of flaw um, and this flaw manifests itself in many different ways. For instance... Uh, say, uh, whoever is, uh, like doing the login work, they wrote it themselves, are really proud of it. Um, and they never really checked what happens if you type a really, really, really long password. Okay. Say you type a password that's a thousand characters long. Sometimes the way that you're checking the passwords might leave out the second half of it. And that second half gets left behind in memory on the computer that it's running. And then that second half might be run as code that later does something. This is called a buffer overflow attack. So basically you give more data than is ever necessary. And as a result of that, some of that data ends up sticking around and turns into code that will then run and therefore cause a problem. So can you, you can you repeat all that? So the, the, the thing that you have a really long password that the system isn't expecting, is that what you're saying? Yeah, so basically uh, you uh, will try to compare that pa really, really, really long password against a much shorter one, but your compare method only will compare the first 128 things. So it ignores the rest of the password. It ignores the rest, but it doesn't ignore it in a good way. It ignores it in a way that leaves it around in memory. Okay. And by leaving it around in memory means that something else might trigger it and run it as if it were code. Like, I'm not saying this is how it happens every time. I'm giving an example of what could happen. And therefore, that stuff that's left around as code can then be used to grab some larger piece of code that can grab some ever larger piece of code that can actually run and give someone else full access to your system. That's I my don't point. understand what you just said. You said... If you have a password that is longer than the expected password the system is looking for, mm -hmm. and when they try to compare the password that you entered in to, the, to what it's able to store, like, I don't understand, like, it, they're not going to match, right? Or they only match up until a certain point that it's allowed. Okay, so... Uh, so then I don't understand the part where it's like the part that isn't being, say, like, kept is being lingering around. How is that turned into a code? And then... Okay, so let me give you a very concrete example of how this could go wrong. Say uh, your program, okay? Uh, you wrote it so that way it's going to store the first password that the user is inputting in 128 characters, okay? You have 128 bytes of memory, and you say, hey the password that the user is entering goes here. And then in the next 128 bytes of memory, you say the password that we're checking against goes here. Okay. So we're going to take the password that's in our database and put it there. Yeah. And we're going to take the password the user just entered and put it in front of it. Uh-huh. Okay? And then you compare now, those two spaces. And you compare those two spaces, and if they're equal, you let them in. Yeah. Okay, do you understand the code so far? Yes. Okay, so now assume that I actually entered 256 characters. Uh-huh. Okay? Uh, the first part is password, 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 password for the first 128. 
And then the next 128 is password, password, and the exact same thing. Yeah. So I gave you a password that is twice as long, and your system is going to be like, okay, I'm going to move the password into the first 128. Yeah. But it failed to check that it was less than 128. So then, so then it, it also... The, does it know to does it know to keep the first half or the middle half or the well it's gonna start the popping the half? first half into the first variable until there's no more space and then it's gonna start continuing to copy the data into the second variable without even knowing does that make sense so you're overwriting the the, the space real data that you're gonna compare, compare to exactly okay so then you have your if statement it's gonna say hey is the first part equal to the second half and you're gonna be like yeah it is equal because we just overwrote all of it does that make sense? But then that that's only saying if the first 128 characters are the same as the the second 128. Yeah. But if your second part isn't password, 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 it's one, two, three, four, five, and then just keeps going. The yeah, but, first 100 is password. It's not the same. So then yes, how do you get let through? But as a as a hacker, I'm specifically giving you data where it's password, password, password for the first 128, and then password, password, password for the second 128. Like, I am manufacturing that data in a way that's going to break your system. Does that make sense? I know, I happen to f- hear on the grapevine that your system works this works way. With this way. Or I did enough investigation that I realized that your system works this way. Does that make sense? Oh, so then it doesn't even matter what the truth password is. Because you you're overriding just, it. You can just replace it with whatever you want. And then as long as the thing you're comparing it two is the same thing then you're let in okay so i as a hacker a very sophisticated hacker one that was putting my stethoscope to the safe and listening to the ticks yeah manufactured a way to break into your system without knowing anyone's password okay right does that make sense sure so i said i'm logging in as lynn and i put my bogus password twice and that happened to break the system i'm now logged in as lynn i can do whatever i want does that make sense okay okay so you can see how that is possible probably not something that's going to happen right nowadays because we have programming languages that protect against that okay but if you're writing it in say the 90s that was a very common way to break into a system and it's something called a buffer overflow because you were you were given a buffer of 128 characters and you overflowed it you wrote past that 128 so then so then the easy fix is not to store the two password right next to each other where you have a chance of overwriting that well no the easy part, fix right? is just to check hey is this buffer that i'm going to copy is it bigger than 128 Does that makes sense you just check the size okay am i trying to access 129 Okay. And that would fail. If you do that in Swift, if you have an array of 120 and try to access 129, yeah. it fails. If you do that in C, it just writes to 129, 130, 131. It'll just continue writing into memory. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay. So that's something called a memory safe language versus a non-memory safe language. Uh, and the non-memory safe one, obviously, it lets you do those shenanigans. Um, another way of exploiting things is to exploit pointers. So pointers will point to a different part of memory. Mm-hmm. And if you change that pointer, you can point to a very different part of memory. So in that buffer overflow, if the next thing is a pointer, it's not the password, it's something else. Right. That pointer might point to a piece of memory. Uh-huh. Well, you can manufacture the pointer to point to your very long password. And your very long password is not actually a password, it's code. And that code will now run when that pointer is triggered. But unless unless you know the ins and outs of how a software is being written... 
you wouldn't know that the next point over, the next memory over is a pointer. The next memory over is the next set of password or code, though, right? Yeah. So, so then does that mean all the hacking is always in-house? Is people who know? No. So the, the problem with a lot of this is when I'm writing my website, I'm not writing it from scratch. I'm using open source software, okay. right? And that open source software is code that anyone can download and run on their own website, mm-hmm. which me as a hacker, I can also download and try to find exploits against it. Okay. So every time you hear of like a big new uh, exploit that's out in the wild, like Heartbleed, Heartbleed was one such example where if you go to a website, you can convince the website to share its public, its private keys with you. Meaning you can go ahead and uh, and fake being that website just by poking at it just the right way. And that's because the software that generates the private keys and all that, that's all public. Does that make sense? Why would someone create a website like this to let somebody steal the information? Well, no, they're not doing it on purpose. They think it's secure. Oh, okay. But over time, people discover, hey, there's a flaw in this line of code right here. Got it. Got it? Another way this happens is, you know, when you're writing software, you end up with bugs, right? Yeah. And then you need to figure out how to solve the bug, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so it turns out people can accidentally hit bugs, and that accidental bug makes them realize, hey, this sounds like a buffer overflow, or this sounds like a pointer mismatch that's happening. I wonder if I can do something with this. Does that make sense? Okay. And through that, even though they have no access to the code, they can poke at the system enough, which is a black box, and figure out how it's doing something. Kind of like I was telling you the other day how I uh, basically figured out a way to do really well in the Duolingo charts uh, to get a lot of experience really quickly. Mm -hmm. I just poked their system enough until I realized, hey, you can combine this with this with this and get a ton of XP really quickly. Yeah. Right? It's just over time you get curious and you start poking and poking and poking. So generally the people that find these exploits are not bad. But if a bad person (laughs) gets wind of it, then they like to do very bad things because there's a lot of money in exploiting stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, Another avenue where this often comes up is glitches in video games. So anytime you see uh, people playing a video game really, really fast and they start doing stuff they're not supposed to be doing, like going through walls or uh, like doing really wacky things and then suddenly teleporting to the end of the game, Mm -hmm. they basically figured out how to do buffer overflow attacks and pointer manipulation and arbitrary code execution Within the context of a video game with a controller, not even a keyboard. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, they were able to figure all that out over a period of 30 years, but it's a black box that you have a sufficient number of curious people involved, and they will find a way to break the one flaw that that has. And it just takes that one flaw, oftentimes, to, like, break it open completely. That's why it's really, really important to install like security updates when your operating system has them is because some of those things that they fixed may have been actively exploited. Mm -hmm. Like it's just a flaw. Someone made a mistake at the end of the day. And it was really simple to fix. All you had to do for our password example was just check, hey, is it bigger than 128? Just ignore it. At that point, don't don't write it into our buffer. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So oftentimes it's it's simple things like that. Uh, another case is uh, there's a, a very good comic by XKCD called uh, Bobby Tables, uh, and this is uh, someone named their child Bobby Tables, 
uh, with Bobby, semicolon, uh, open, like, double quotes, and then tables minus delete something something. And basically, they manufactured their kid's name as a joke uh, to be the perfect string that if you put it inside of a database query, will go ahead and finish loading what the database wanted to load, and then start a brand new statement that says, delete all the entries of this table. So just by manufacturing where your end quotes are, you can go ahead and write a new piece of code that someone didn't happen to check, they didn't sanitize the input, and therefore gave them full access to, to the, the, the database that they were accessing. Mm-hmm. And this is a very common issue with databases, and oftentimes you end up leaking your entire database to someone because you didn't sanitize the input. And therefore, they were able to download the whole thing and then do something with it. Mm-hmm. Like sell it to people on the black market. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, so this was the scenario where you have a highly trained professional, like, really trying to get in there. And there are two kinds of hackers at this point. There's white hat hackers and black hat hackers. The black hat ones, unfortunately, are the ones that try to do this to exploit money. Uh, and therefore, they sell this information and they go on to the next job at that point. Uh, the white hat hackers are the ones that will basically go ahead and do this for the good of, like, everyone. Uh, and then they will tell the company, hey, uh, you have a big exploit, a big problem right here. I was able to download a, a large amount of data that I shouldn't have been able to download. You should fix this. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell anyone, but I will tell the world in, 30, in like, 90 days. There's plenty of time for you to fix it, but... Uh, like to encourage you to actually fix, I'm going to publish my research. Like, it's not a threat. It's just like, hey, f- own up to your own mistakes and fix them over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they will go ahead and publish the result and show how they were able to access or jailbreak a phone, for instance. Does that make sense? Because they found the flaw here that led to the flaw here that led to the bigger flaw here that gave them complete access. Um, and oftentimes it's just that one little flaw you might not know of the next one down the line, but someone else might, you know, so they can connect the dots. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's important to fix these. And that's why these company, these big tech companies often have bug bounty programs. So they basically say, hey, if you find a bug and it impacts X amount of users, we're going to give you a million dollars for that. Like, that's a very important bug that we need fixed. So uh, that encourages white hat hackers to do the right thing because... They don't need to sell it to some black market person, right? They can go ahead and take advantage of the fact that the company is going to pay them directly and they can therefore do good and get paid. So they spend two years looking for the next bug and once they find one, they get a big cash out and then they spend the next two years looking for the big bug. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's not like they're rich or by any means. Uh, it's just that they spend a much longer amount of time poking and poking and poking and poking until they finally get something. Okay. So, uh, that is like what I would call hacking. There's another called, another thing called phishing, and we can probably talk about that another day. Um, and phishing is where you basically convince people to, like, I'm your dear old Well, grandma. no, not that part, but I, I'm, I'm constantly curious because in movies and such, it's like, somebody send you an email, you click on it, which we get a lot too. We get a lot of those weird unknown spam. You may think it's T-Mobile contacting you, hey, something's wrong with your account, and then mm-hmm. you click on a link that they sent you, and then somehow your your whole computer is compromised or somehow they're able to install malware on your computer. Like, how do you get to that point? Yeah, so that's that's via the hacking that I basically 
explained to you so far. Okay. So it's via very skilled people finding those little flaws Uh and then horrible people like taking advantage of those flaws to put crap on your computer that can give them full access. How do you just like, so does that mean like, so let's talk about one of those spam email then. Mm -hmm. Like if somebody send you a spam email and you think, oh, it is T-Mobile because the first part of the email says T-Mobile. But then if you look at the rest of the emails, mumbo jumbo, and it's not coming from T-Mobile itself, right? Like those are the things that you have to check for. But if it looks exactly like a a T-Mobile email and it says, hey, it seems like your your account has been compromised. Click on this this link to verify that it's you and not someone else like does that mean the hacker wrote and actually wrote a program to then like to then like if you were to click on it then like things happen generally no but could be um in the past once again on windows if you were to open any software it's given full access to your entire computer so if you were to open an attachment and that attachment was actually a piece of software Uh then it's now running unhindered can you send us i guess you can send a software through as an email yeah so you would say uh this is uh my really cool thing dot pdf dot exe so people would see the pdf part uh-huh. and they would be like oh it's a really cool thing from a person i know let me double click it yeah and then just run so that doesn't happen as much anymore. Now you double click it and it says, hey, this is something from the internet. Are you sure you want to open it? Right. And everyone ignores that and says run. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah, I do that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's a very important dialogue you should never really ignore. No, I mean, I every time I do is because I'm downloading from Apple's website. Yeah, but you get the point, right? Yeah. If you happen to be downloading from papple.com. Papple. <laughs> right? You yeah. didn't notice. You You got an email from Apple. They said click here. They redirected you to papple.com, and you just downloaded the thing that they told you to download. Does that make sense? Okay. So they did something very different. They're not hacking you. They're just social engineering you. They're convincing you that you should trust them, and therefore you are giving them access, that you are inviting them into your door. Like, we didn't even talk about this previously. So then, so then these, these softwares that you accidentally download without realizing could somehow i guess could a way override your own system to then let them like screen share or observe what you're doing actively exactly so they can install a keylogger which is a fancy term for a piece of software that will collect every key press that you do Uh and they just wait patiently until you type your password and then once it looks like you waited a long time and you type some gobbledygook and then waited a long time you probably typed a password that makes sense? So they just try it. How would you know if they, they're on your computer? You wouldn't. Like, you would have to look and know what to expect. And, and it, is that mostly how hacking works? Yes. It's is all social engineering. somebody observing you? Yeah. So imagine, going back to our safe example, imagine uh, someone knocks on your door and says, Hey, um, I work for your safe company, and we notice that there's a big flaw in our safes. Let me come in and Let track. me come in and make sure and fix the flaw. Like, I have my toolbox with me. Yeah. I'm going to help you out because you're on our list of past clients, and we want to make sure you're happy. You're like, oh, shoot. I want to make sure my safe is secure. Uh-huh. So you let them in. Yeah. You unlock the safe. You open it for them. Does that make sense? Yeah. And they are not going to steal anything that day. They are going to fix your safe. And by fix your safe, they're going to put a little piece of tape so your safe doesn't actually lock anymore. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. Or put a little magnet on the back of the door so that way they just have to put a magnet and it like springs it open. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Yeah. And they fix your safe. You think your safe is secure. You're like, oh, problem averted. And then you go home for the day. And then they come that next day without you being there and they break into the window and they take everything out of your safe. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or they don't even need to touch your safe. They can, they can come and say, hey, uh, we work for your air conditioning system. And it seems like that is like, did you look at the leak over there? Like they, they painted something meanwhile while you were not looking. And <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, I see that leak. That's a bad leak. So you're like, come in, come in. And they see your safe. And then they install a little camera that can watch... You opening your safe. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. They don't even need to touch your safe. They don't even need to make you aware that your safe exists. You're mm-hmm. thinking about the HVAC system. Okay. Meanwhile, they gained an uh, ability to watch you open your safe. That makes sense? So then, not too long ago, what company was it? Expedia? The, the credit score company. Experian. Experian. Didn't they get hacked? Yeah. Do we know how they were hacked? not particularly it could have been someone claiming they were an employee to another employee and saying like hey i need access credentials or something and they were able to download the database that's probably the most common way so just lie to trick somebody and it usually works yeah i mean you work in a company of a thousand people you don't know who the other people are you Uh know i'm from the security division um and we need to make sure that the thing is secure can you go ahead and update your password according to these policies and then you go to a website that has nothing to do with anything. You type your old password, your new password, and you feel like you did a good job. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Like, it's all it comes down to is tricking the other person is way easier than figuring out a flaw on a computer. Okay. But I wouldn't consider that hacking either. That's just being a horrible human being. Well, hacking is being a horrible human being. You're just using ways to... Not have to show yourself. Yeah. Like, you were a mastermind when you're actually hacking. Versus the majority of hacks that happen, they're just people, like, being horrible uh, to generally old people. Like, those are the biggest uh, victims of this kind of thing. Uh, And they will convince them to empty out their life savings uh, in the form of gift cards and send them because... They make you feel like you made a mistake and you need to compensate someone for it. And they are none the wiser that they're being part of, like, they're being attacked as a part of a very, like, organized crime that attacks tons of people, you know? Uh, I feel like you have to really not know anything to, to fall for that, though, right? I mean, sending back gift cards, like... You know, like, I, I, you have to really not know anything to really fall mm-hmm. for that, though. Well, if you do fall for it, then they got free money that's untrackable. Yeah. You know, there's no bank transfer. There's nothing. You just went to Target, bought a bunch of gift cards, handed it to uh, a lady that, like, was destined to meet you. And then they sent, they cashed those gift cards and send them to India. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, hacking, the full gamut. Uh, there's real hacking, and then there's just uh, spearhead phishing, which is a funny word that we learned recently. Um, and, yeah, watch out for it. Cool. Bye. Thanks, everyone.